Welcome to Biblical Perspectives on Aging, the podcast where you and your church will find answers to the difficult questions that arise as we grow older. On behalf of the Baptist Home, this is your host, Dr. Andy Brams. This month's episode of Biblical Perspectives on Aging is rather different. In fact, this episode actually originated on another podcast called Living the Dream Outdoors, which is hosted by Bill Cooper. Now, why would we borrow from another podcast for our own podcast? Well, it's because two of our staff, Dr. Rodney Harrison and Spencer Hudson, are a part of this interview that Bill Cooper does. There's also one other person from the National Deer Association that is on there, and Your question might be, well, Andy, why are you talking about deer and deer association and such on the Biblical Perspectives on Aging podcast? Well, perhaps you've seen in the papers, uh, in the state papers and whatnot, perhaps you haven't, but Baptist Homes has recently held a couple of senior deer hunts, one at our Ironton facility in September, and a second one, by the time this airs, will have taken place near our Ozark campus. And these are senior deer hunts where we have been able to have senior adults, our residents, to be able to come out and to participate in a deer hunt. Some of them perhaps for the first time, others for the first time in years and or decades. So this podcast, again, originally aired on another podcast, Living the Dream Outdoors. It is hosted by Bill Cooper. And what you will hear is the unedited version of that particular podcast. You will also hear, or you can also review the transcripts, which we have made available as we typically do on our podcast. You will also hear a couple of references where they take commercial breaks and we did not include their commercials. That was not a part of the podcast and our podcast is not commercialized. So when he says we'll be right back in a couple of minutes, well, as soon as you can blink, you're probably going to say, well, welcome back, or you're here, well, welcome back to the podcast. But I do hope you enjoy this podcast. Again, it's unique, it's different, but so is the event, and so were the smiles and the uh, the joy that was had by everyone from staff to those who were participating in the hunt to the volunteers that all made it happen. So this is a little longer than usual, but sit back, enjoy it, and See what kind of blessing that uh, God laid upon Baptist homes through the ministry that this deer hunt allowed for so many to be involved and to be a part of. Welcome to Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Cooper, and I'm happy to say I've had a new outdoor experience this weekend. I'm over in Arcadia Valley at the Baptist Home to see Arcadia Valley Field and Fork senior hunt i've been in hundreds of camps all over from alaska to the yucatan and i gotta say this is one of the coolest hunts i've ever been in on my life i'm 73 years old so i can identify these guys a group of volunteers are actually taking residents of the baptist nursing home on a crossbow hunt for white-tailed deer now That's just a wonderful, wonderful activity. But I've got some real experts here with me today, and I'm going to lean on them pretty hard. I have Rodney Harrison. He's the president of the Baptist Homes and Healthcare Ministries. I have Spencer Hudson. Hudson? Hudson. Yeah, everybody knows Spencer Hudson. He's been around 
for decades. He's a church relations specialist with the Baptist Homes and the Healthcare Ministries. Then, now, boy, here's a mouthful. I hope I pronounce this correctly. It's Shane. It is Shane. Matzenbacher? Matzenbacher. Matzenbacher. Is that German? Very German. Very German. He's a deer outreach specialist with the National Deer Association. So we've got oh, I fear about, about a 200 years or more worth of experience set right here at this one table. <laughs> so I expect this to be one of the most fabulous programs I've ever aired. Well, Rodney, I want to start with you. I've listened to you for just a few hours last night and today it's been pretty fascinating to listen to the inspiration that you have for this hunting program and i think it was kind of your idea to start this program and it was because of previous uh inspirations that came your way share that story with us how it all began well it all began when i was watching growing deer tv with grant wood and uh, i've been following that now probably for about uh 12 13 years uh and some of the most memorable episodes were when Grant would go hunting with his father. In fact, he'd call him Pop. And I just noticed the progression from the time that Pop would go into the tree stands or they would go into the, uh, the tower stands, and then pretty soon he was hunting from a ground blind. And uh, later on, because of the weather and the seasons, the, the final hunts were, were with a crossbow from a ground blind. And, of course, uh, not too long ago, a few years ago, there was a tribute episode because Pops went home to be with the Lord. And I started thinking about my own journey. My father took me deer hunting, whitetail hunting, when I was uh, 16 years old. We also went when I was 17. I was in California at the time, and we never saw anything. But you know what I found out is my dad had done the same thing. His father had taken him whitetail hunting in California when he was 16 and 17, and kind of the same result they really never saw anything in fact back in those days if you saw deer tracks that was a really memorable event and so uh years later i'm here in missouri and uh 10 years ago i was blessed to have my parents move from california to missouri and so uh we we went deer hunting and uh we started off with a managed deer hunt over in uh, smithville lake uh, put on by the corps of engineers and went hunting on our little 20-acre property once and really never never did have great luck. And my father never did harvest a deer. Uh, but then a couple of years ago, uh, actually it was the, uh, the 2021 season, uh, we went with some friends down in the Ozarks, and my father harvested his first deer 70 years after his first deer hunt. Wow, that's and, incredible. And the emotions, the joy. The stories. Before long, the story is being shared among folks in their church, in the community. Uh, the family's talking about it. The kids and the grandkids and the great-grandkids are all talking about the fact that Grandpa harvest his, harvested his first deer. And I'll never forget when uh, they came down to, to our cabin down in the Ozarks, and, and he was able to see that deer mounted and just how emotional it was. Well, my father's at a point where he can no longer be out in the woods. But I thought, you know, here he was in, in this season of life that most people think, well, you're, you're pretty much going to stay home. And the reality is, that's now God, how God has created us. He's created us to be out in his creation and uh, as long as possible. So my, my inspiration for this came from my dad. And I thought, wow, Lord, you have put me in a position where I am overseeing a network of uh, senior care facilities. Let's make sure people understand you come here to live, not to die. You're coming here to live. Wow. Tremendous story. And I can identify with that a bit because I wrote a story a couple years ago titled, My Dad Never Killed a Deer. 
Absolute truth. I was raised in a Missouri boot hill. I can remember it making the newspapers when somebody would find a deer track over on an island in the Mississippi River. Well, Spencer Hudson, uh, church relations specialist, I don't know what that means, but you've, you've been involved for decades. I know your father before you, heavily involved in the Baptist Association. But what's your relationship to all this hunting program that's going on? Well, Rodney and I know that uh, we both like to hunt, and we actually deer hunted together at deer camp last year, Dr. Harrison and I and, oh. and my brother, and, and we both harvested deer and had, had a great time. When he brought this opportunity up, we just thought it was a great idea. We began thinking about how we might involve volunteers uh, across the state from churches and so forth, and of course, uh, you're, you go to our church, and you were one of our volunteers. And, and I'm, we're, I got my arm twisted. You got heavy. your arm twisted, and I twi- <laughs> we twisted the pastor's arm and, and another layman's arm, and, and uh, having a great group, but um, I've been out doing the annual meeting circuit where most of our Baptist associations have an annual meeting where they elect their officers, and uh, prove their budget for the year and all that kind of thing. And, and uh, they invite uh, the entities to come in and share about our ministries. And so there's a lot of things going on with Baptist Homes. We're expanding rapidly, and there's a lot of things to share. But the last two nights, I was out Monday night and Tuesday night, and both nights I closed out with telling them about this deer hunt. And it was almost like we were getting uh, cheers out in the audience. They just thought it was the greatest thing. And uh, then after the dismissal, the old men want to come up and talk to me about it. And it's just really neat for them to see that uh, – the Baptist home, like, like uh, Dr. Harrison said, is not a place to go to die, but a place to live. And uh, so we want to improve that quality of, of uh, attitude, uh, not only in our homes, but across the state and, and even in our churches. I think the message will be that, hey, we've got some people here that they need another chance. We need to really figure out how we can help them do some of the things that they thought they couldn't do anymore. So that's kind of, we're the cheerleader for that in the churches. Well, I've got to commend you. I mean, let's say I've just been here a day and a half so far, and it's just been a tremendous circle of people who are contributing to this event. I think the volunteers are more excited than the participants, but we also have here. Shane Motzenbacher. Did I get it right? That time? right. Getting closer, huh? Well, Shane, you're with the uh, National Deer Association. And uh, how in the world did you – somebody's doing a good job somewhere. You got coupled up with these guys, and, and it kind of ramrodding the program here. You and your sidekick just put on a tremendous presentation this morning. Uh, it, I've been deer hunting for over 50 years, and I learned some things. And I thought, ah, this is going to be all the same old stuff if I've heard a hundred times over. But love the presentation. Very well done. Kept. I didn't hear anybody snoring. No. <laughs> Pretty grand, but great information. But tell me how you got involved in, the, in this program. Well, I'm a deer outreach specialist, and that's a fancy way of saying is I work with private landowners working on their property uh, to manage deer. And essentially, they're uh, wildlife cooperatives or groups of neighbors working together because a deer's home range is going to be bigger than just one person's property usually. So when all the, all those landowners work together collectively on their properties together in that cooperative, they can manage the deer herd a little better than they could just by themselves on their own piece of property. Long story short, I, I cover the southern half of Missouri, and then my counterpart, uh, Carly da- uh, Gill now, it was Dawson, uh, Carly Gill, she li- works in the northern half of the state. And uh, we form new wildlife cooperatives all the time you know, across the state here. And uh, in Missouri, we've probably got close to 30 cooperatives across the state that we cover. And uh, one of the new cooperatives that she formed this year was with Dr. Harrison. And so they got together, and he kind of pitched the idea to her. And then she said, that sounds awesome. Uh, let's let's try to work something out. Let's get some details. And so they started talking about it. And uh, he said, but we really would like to do this on the property at our, our flagship campus in Arcadia Valley, which is, you know, down here in the southern half of Missouri. And she said, well, I need to get you in touch with, with Shane. He's in the, in the southern half of the state. That's going to be his area. But it doesn't matter because we're kind of partnering on this deal. And, and she's, she's here as well uh, on this deal and, and helping out with all kinds of education and uh, mentoring and things like that. But that's kind of how it all came about was it was actually starting a co-op and then it turned into, hey, what about this opportunity? And really, we thought it was going to be a great fit for our Field to Fork program. And what that is, our Field to Fork program is it kind of covers what we call R3, and that's recruitment, retention, or reactivation of new hunters. Uh, 
Which phase are we in here? We're, you know, honestly, I think for this one, we're hitting all of them. Uh, there's there's some hunters, some new hunters, so we're recruiting new people with, with our education. Um, people that are might not be the ones that are behind the, the sticks there you know, shooting today, but uh, they might be uh, somebody that's come in for part of the education. They're learning things. They're getting, you know, kind of interested in saying, you know, maybe I want to do that. That's the whole idea. We want to get new hunters out there. I mean, we're, we're losing hunters across the board at an exponential rate, and, you know, they, not everybody grew up like we did hunting and fishing out there in the woods, And uh, but we want to get those folks out there that have always maybe had an interest or thought it might be neat and given that opportunity to get out there and hunt. But in this particular case, we're targeting seniors, and a lot of these are what we would call reactivation. Maybe it's been a few years. Now, the gentleman that I get to mentor today, he's 91 years old, and he's been hunting and fishing his whole life. But it's been a little bit since he's been out there hunting, and from what I understand, you know, once he came here, I think he's been here at Baptist Homes for about seven years, that he thought that that was pretty much the end of his, his hunting career. And uh, we're actually giving him the opportunity to do that where he lives. So this property here, if I'm not mistaken, is 160 acres, and uh, they've got all kinds of great habitat surrounding the property, but it hasn't been hunted in a very, very long time. So the deer know that this is the place to hang out. So we're going to do some deer management on the property here at Baptist Homes and, and uh, hopefully take some of these seniors out that maybe have just not had that opportunity in years to hunt or maybe it, it's a whole new game. The great thing about the guy I'm mentoring today, uh, his name is Fred, and, and he's, uh, he's never killed a deer with a crossbow. And so he's gonna. He got out there today at the range. We took him out there, taught him how to shoot with a crossbow. Man, he was just bullseyeing that thing every single shot. Kind of, kind of surprised me at how good of a shot I think he it actually surprised was. All of us. <laughs> and, uh, so I'm not worried about anything except for the deer. The deer is in trouble. Deer's in trouble. Comes out tonight. So uh, I'm excited to hopefully that, that we get that opportunity. But tonight we'll we'll take five of those new hunters, those senior hunters out, and I try to give them an opportunity to harvest a deer uh, on the property here. And I think uh, this is hopefully going to be the first of many across the state here with Baptist Homes at some of their other campuses. Well, I'd say this campus has been a tremendous success already. And we haven't actually gotten in the blinds yet. We may have to, Spencer, you and I may have to do a later segment after we get home, a wrap up on this thing, you know. But what a tremendous uh, program, man. But you mentioned co-op. Just briefly tell us what what a co-op is, really. Yeah, it's it's farmers and, and neighbors and landowners, anybody that has property. And a lot of times it can even be someone who's leasing the property. Um, it doesn't have to be the actual owner. But get all those neighbors working together in cooperation with each other with the same goals uh, for deer management. And we, we always say quality deer management. And, uh, of course, the National Deer Association used to be the Quality Deer Management Association before we merged with the National Deer Alliance a couple of years ago. And we want to teach people about herd management. We want to teach them about herd monitoring. We want to just give them the basic tools they need to succeed in deer management for their properties. But like I said earlier, you can't do that. If you you only have 20 acres, there's no way all the deer are going to be staying on your property. They're going to roam around. Their home range is bigger than your 20 acres. It's bigger than your five acres. But we get all of those neighbors working together with those same common goals. And so, hey, we're going to we're gonna pass those yearling bucks. We're going to let them grow up. We're going to let them get in the gene pool and the breeding population. Uh, we're going to give those little button buck fawns a chance to actually grow some antlers. Uh, and we're going to take a fair amount of, of antlerless deer or does uh, so that way that uh, it – makes our buck-to-doe ratio correct. It makes sure we don't have overpopulation problems with our herd. Uh, but the co-op is essentially just neighbors coming together for the common interest of deer management on their properties collectively. And it's good for everybody concerned. Pretty much. Yeah, sure sounds like it. Well, guys, you know, time flies and you're having fun. We're through the first segment already. Seems like we only spent a couple minutes here, but we're all talking about a subject very near and dear to our hearts. So, folks, don't run away. We don't care if you're driving down the road carrying the groceries in or singing to yourself. Stay with us. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Welcome back to Living the Dream Outdoors podcast. Oh, we're having a good time here today. I won't say in the studio, but we're actually in a nursing home. I'm afraid they're going to keep me, Spencer. <laughs> they, might, they might. I don't think I'd be too afraid. You know, I'm 73 years old, not far out, yeah. you know, thinking about this kind of stuff. But what a wonderful place to be. Dr. Harrison, this is absolutely a beautiful campus. Uh, I've never seen anything like this. Nursing, you know, the term nursing home, is that what you call it? What do you call this facility? A long-term care facility. Long-term care facility. You know, that always kind of scared me, but I've told them, man, if, you know, if they had room. And 
I would like about a 10-acre fishing lake. Can you swing that? We have one here for you. Oh. oh. I, I brought a crossbow. I didn't bring my fishing gear, but I can have my wife bring that over. <laughs> but, Dr. Harrison, I, I, I know this is near and dear to your heart, but this event that's taking place uh, over the next couple of days, what does it really mean to you personally? I know you've worked long and hard on this project, but still, all of us kind of have those little secrets inside, you know, uh, and sometimes we don't want to talk about it because it gets a little emotional, but you're a heavily experienced gentleman, and I think you can probably handle it. You know, in Psalm 71, in the scriptures, it says, Do not cast me off in time of my old age, and forsake me not when my strength is spent. That is really the reason Baptist Homes was founded 109 years ago. 109 years. And so often when we think about growing old, we think about everything that we've lost. You know, think about the autonomy. Just being able to make the decision, I'm going to go into the deer stand today. That may not be possible. And you start hunting maybe a, a ground blind, but pretty soon that doesn't become possible. There comes a time when we all need a little bit of help. And the Bible talks about the fact that during those times that we, we help one another. And that is what is so beautiful about this event. And I'm hoping and praying that this event will be a catalyst, not just for Baptist homes and our campuses spread throughout Missouri, but, but for other operators, other communities, other retirement centers, that they start thinking about how can we help our, our, our neighbors, our, our, our communities be involved in God's creation. And so, uh, you know, this is much bigger than just Baptist homes. This is really about quality of life. It is about being um, the hands and feet of Jesus and being able to help people enjoy God's creation. So uh, that is what gets me uh, excited about waking up every morning and uh, being able to look forward to each and every new day. Well, boy, I'm telling you, it's just a great inspiration to hear that story. And hear. I think you could talk for days about it. I really do. Uh, you, you need to write a book or start working on a book. Uh, this would just be a tremendous asset to people. And sometimes, you know, as human beings, we get an idea like that, and we think, well, that wouldn't amount to a hill of beans. But I can tell you about a, a true story. A college professor of mine, Dr. Glenn Weaver, came from Houston, Missouri, a uh, little kind of hole in, in the road. But uh, Dr. Glenn managed to finagle a baseball scholarship for the University of Missouri. And after that is all said and done, well, he, uh, he hung around and became a professor, assistant professor in the start uh, in a parks and recreation department. And storytelling fool. I mean, he just mesmerized of us. Some of the first stories I ever heard about turkey hunting, you know, just an incredible in individual. But the department was growing pretty fast, and he got a master's degree. And they, of course, wanted him to get a doctor's degree, and we had to call him Dr. Weaver. Well, they added tourism to the uh, department they didn't really have any tourism experts. So Dr. Weaver got appointed kind of as the tourism director and was charged to write a book about tourism. He said, Bill, I didn't know how to spell the word. <laughs> <laughs> he took off and wrote a book that became the Bible of tourism around the world. He had, I don't know how many foreign countries, offer him jobs to be their national tourism director just because he wrote a book. <laughs> you know? So the challenge, Dr. Harrison, uh, I think there are good things, and, and you've got dreams of this expanding and becoming something. We're finding out al already that there's a need for this. There's a desire for this. And as we watch today, some of these people shooting those crossbows, you see the twinkles in the eyes? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you know the greatest part, much like my dad's story, these individuals that are out there hunting, these seniors are inspiring their children, their grandchildren, and their great-grandchildren. So as Shane was saying, we're really hitting all three R's of what it's going to take to have a sustainable conservation strategy for our state and other states. And that's, that's important because we all value the land that, that we have. And we need to make sure that we preserve those rights, that we don't give them up, but that we sustain quality uh, harvest quotas and, and goals. And this is really a big part about doing that. I, I've got, uh, I'm blessed with 10 grandkids. 
Wow. I can guarantee you they're talking about this because this is innovative, but it is exactly what I think each one of us wants, and that is to not feel that we are being cast away in our old age. That, that Those very words of that psalmist so many years ago resonate with truth to, in my heart this very moment. Oh, it means more to me every day, and I just can't imagine what's really going through the heads of the residents here. You know, it's a first for as we know. All of us, it may be the first event of its kind. At least it's been promoted. There may have been other programs, you know, because there's all kinds of outdoor events going across the country anymore. But back to you, Shane. Man, uh, I've I've watched you and I listened to you talk, and it's not just a job to you. No, this this goes way back. I mean, I, I grew up in a deer stand. I told told the story earlier this morning uh, with everybody in the group, and, and I said this earlier. That one of the things that that I really enjoy about uh, you know how how we promote these field to fork you know events is we we try to get personal. Uh, we want to make this a connection. We want to more than just the hunt. We want to make memories, and uh, we want to get people connected to the outdoors, whether they get to kill something or not. Uh, that's just part of it. That's a cherry on top if that actually gets to happen. Uh, but more than that, and I had most of the participants and a bunch of the volunteers already come up to me and shake my hand and say, boy, thank you for doing this. I'm like, well, it wasn't just me. Uh, I can't take the credit for everything, but we're just as excited about doing this event as any of them that we've ever done. And like you said, don't know that it's been one that has really been done very much, if at all, uh, is targeting the seniors. Usually we're targeting youth hunters and trying to get new youth hunters out there. Nothing wrong with that. Or, you know, some of our other field to fork events are targeting new adult hunters that just don't know where to start and how to hunt. Uh, This one is more along those lines of the reactivation of getting those hunters out there that maybe didn't think that they'd ever be able to hunt again. Um, You know, and I can can relate this story a lot in my own personal life. And watching my granddad, he got up there – in his late 70s and, you know, watching him go through shoulder surgeries and everything else going on and, uh, you know, before dementia and everything hit uh, and we lost him a few years ago. Uh, but watching him and his progression with, with hunting is, like you said earlier, he, he used to be a tree stand hunter and he had a compound bow and he would rifle hunt and he would black powder hunt and, he you know, he did everything. And he taught, you know, him and my dad both taught me how to hunt and got me out there when I was three years old in a big platform <laughs> stand between three trees that dad nailed up there with a hammer and nails and, uh, I pretty much slept the whole time, but I still remember getting into that tree. I could take you to that tree today wow. and uh, to where that was at. And, uh, you know, fast forward a few years when I was 14 years old, I actually killed a nice 10-point buck out of that same spot. It wasn't in the platform because it wasn't safe anymore, right. but I had a hang-on stand right there next to it <laughs> in the same tree. And uh, I killed a nice buck out of there when I was 14 years old with my muzzleloader. And, uh, you know, it just moved on from that, and, uh, you know, now – I had such a love for the outdoors and, and hunting in general. Uh, that was a way of life for us. I mean, we, we didn't grow up very well off at all. And I told a story earlier that, you know, we grew up with very humble beginnings, but we just didn't know it because we had family. Yeah, I was in the same boat, man. But, it, hey, we evidently had some good teachers. Somebody inspired us, you know. And it and we found out, we went through, it seemed like a cycle here when all the outdoor education programs and everything started. I remember doing lots of volunteer work for the National Wild Turkey Federation, and everybody started uh, outdoor education programs, you know. And when I was on the state turkey board, their idea of uh, teaching outdoor education was have a Saturday event, have 500 kids there. We're going to teach them, to, let them shoot a BB gun, shoot a bow, blah, 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 you know. I said, really? Uh, how many people were going to retain out of that? And we finally convinced them. We started a hunter apprentice school, three day, three uh, day event, and uh, just limited to twenty children. And I still hear from 
some of those kiddos. And I think we've retained, you mentioned an 80-something percent yeah. uh, retainment. That's phenomenal. I think we had close to that in Hunter Apprentice School. But, Spencer, I don't, I don't want to leave you out of this yeah. segment. Now, Spencer, I'd say, is the real hillbilly of the group, you know. He comes from Crawford County. And believe me, there's some deer hunting goes on in Crawford County. And Spencer, but uh, what were your feelings today when we're out there on that range with with I can't call them my elders. I are one of them. <laughs> but what were your feeling out there? Well, you know, I, I started uh, going deer hunting when I was a kid. First time was with a BB gun, you know. And my grandpa went, and my uncles went, and my dad went. And, and I got involved in that. And then I got older and got into motorcycles and girls in college and got married and moved out of state and all that kind of thing. I moved back to Missouri. I started hunting again. And uh, got to hunt some with my grandfather. And But my dad was, was the main one. He and my brother and I would hunt. And... and uh, I've kind of come full circle when my grandchildren, I have six now, and, and when my oldest grandson, who will be 12, uh, no, he'll be 13, I think. I better ask my wife. Anyway, <laughs> uh, in January, uh, when he would come to see me, they always lived a long ways away, he'd always want to know, what, who, who killed that deer on the wall? Who did that one? Well, your daddy got that one, and I got this one, and all this kind of thing, and tell the stories, and, and he'd want to ride on a four-wheeler with me. Now, this is what I use to go hunting and all this kind of mm-hmm. thing, but I never knew that I was planting seeds. So a few months ago, uh, my son calls, and he said, hey, Jude wants to go uh, deer hunting this fall. Is there any chance of that? And I said, yeah. You're going to have to check into getting his hunter education and, and see. I think there's a reciprocity with Texas and Missouri. And he checked all that out. And last Saturday, he uh, passed 100% his hunter safety. And they're coming up uh, the weekend of October 29 and 30, whatever that uh, deer hunt is. And, and my brother and I are going to make sure that he has a deer camp experience. We're going to go awesome. a day or two before, and we're going to camp, and we're going to cook, and we're going to play, and then we're going <laughs> to hunt the deer season. And, and I really think that's – that's grandparents. You know, this can be the fifth generation that I know of. You know, wow. when you do it that way, and I think I think there's going to be grandpas talking today uh, after this event, and uh, and even uh, David, one of our coworkers, Dr. David Sundin, said, you know, I haven't hunted 32 years, but he's going to be in the blind with us, and I can tell he's getting the itch. Uh, he's going to be reactivated, and so this is just great uh, what it's doing, and the enthusiasm of men in the church when you tell that story, they all of a sudden think, well, this isn't just about women's things men can do some things and i know that's not just the gospel but i mean getting them interested in what we can do in the church and how we can reach men i think it's really neat i think it is too i think you hit the nail on the head there where of course we're all just eat up with it you know i, I consider all of you sitting here high quality professional people but we're there we've been there in the beginning phases we've gone through most of us except for shane there he's pretty young we, <laughs> we've gone through those stages shane where you don't remember when boy you just want to get out in the field with a gun. A lot of things were in danger, you know. And then uh, if it was a deer, you just wanted to kill a deer. You didn't care what it looked like or if it had antlers or not or how big they were or whatever. And then you kind of, you know, you start getting a little more serious about it. And those big antlers look pretty nice. You know, you might go through that trophy phase. And then you, you get in this phase where it's about technique. We want to make it more difficult, you know. We go from the 30-06s, make go to a smaller caliber rifle, or some of us are old enough, we used to recurse, and we got into compounds, fought that battle. You know, everybody thought, oh, we got compound bows, we're going to kill every deer on the face of the earth. <laughs> <laughs> and lo and behold, the crossbow come along, and boy, was there ever some battles fought there, you know. And I fought some of those. I, I was dead sin against crossbows when I first heard about them, and I did a little, and what really convinced me, you know, the Chinese used those things many years ago, long time ago. But then I discovered the English longbow one just wiped the Chinese out in the battle because those guys were pretty accurate with a longbow at 300 yards. That's hard to imagine. But what a progression. And then I got doing the research, Arkansas, Ohio, a couple other states that had crossbow seasons for 30 years, and they had the stats. Guess what? Crossbow hunters didn't kill any more deer percentage-wise 
than the compound hunters, both about 15%. But now our state has legalized crossbows for everybody. It was for the handicapped. And here we are at a Baptist home doing a crossbow hunt for the elderly. Now, Shane, you're going to laugh at this, but, boy, I am so in favor of this. I've made several recommendations to our Missouri Department of Conservation over the years, and I don't think any of them flew. But when when the elk season came along, boy, I was I was on a stump now. I was preaching in the elk hunting gospel. It should only be for people over 70 years old. <laughs> I thought that meant, might increase my draw odds, you know. <laughs> I'm still drawing with everybody else. Well, guys, uh, we're going to take another break here to hear from uh, some of our good sponsors. But, folks, don't go away, please. We'll be right back. Welcome back again to Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast. We've been having a tremendous time. You know, guys, all that's missing here is a campfire. Yep. Oh, yeah. man, absolutely. If we had a campfire, the stories would be even better. You don't get a little smoke in your eyes and you can't see the guy across from you very clearly. And, you know, you can kind of tell some tall tales and you're in that foggy environment. And you <laughs> hope it. They don't remember who told but, that. But deal. instead, it's 80 degrees outside, so no campfire today. <laughs> no campfire today. Well, Shane, you, you had quite a character that you were mentoring on the raids today. And boy, did that guy ever surprise us, you know? I don't think I would want to shoot competition me, against me him. Neither. <laughs> neither. Mr. Fred, he's 91 years old, and, and he said, you know, I've never shot a crossbow. And uh, here we, we brought out brought out one of our crossbows that, that our, our partner, Mission Crossbows, they actually got for us and uh, to use on our Field to Fork event. And uh, – he was bullseyeing that thing every single time. Didn't matter, you know, 10, 20 yards. He, he hit it every single time. And he'd look at me after he'd shoot and he'd go, how was that? I'm like, it was perfect. I mean, you hit the middle of the bullseye every single time. So, like I said earlier, I don't think nobody's got to worry about how he's shooting. The deer just have to worry about if they step out uh, because he, he's going he's gonna to put it on them. But he took his time. He was very careful, very cautious. I could tell that he's shot before, just not crossbows. It was little bit different to him and he was getting kind of you know to comfortable in the chair and everything so he still had uh, the basics down he has the basics and then some he, he was really doing great out there but you know he he said something that made us all laugh there this morning he said you know i've never shot a crossbow but i did get some really good advice one time he said they told me just when you hold on to the crossbow make sure you keep your thumb down or it'll just rip it clean off <laughs> and he was just as serious as he could be when he said that so uh, made everybody laugh in there and, and uh, i'm looking forward to being out there in the blind with him tonight and maybe again in the morning and uh hopefully uh, the deer come out and, and cooperate and we can get one down for him oh i think we're going to see some deer go down because everybody shot pretty well yeah. didn't they yeah yeah i just uh and here you know i'm sitting there watching this and uh i, I guess being as mature as I am, you know. <laughs> I've seen a lot of things happen over here. You're, you're talking about crossbows blowing up. I won't call a name, but I had a dear friend who works for a very wealthy man. He, uh, my friend does PR work, and he'd borrowed a crossbow from his boss. was, I don't know, $2,500 crossbow, and he was up in North Missouri. My friend had bought a new 40-acre place because it's basically a soybean farm and had a few fence rows and stuff, but whopping big deer. He's in the blind 20 minutes, you know. This big 12-pointer comes out, you know, 25 yards and gets his crossbow up and pulls the trigger. It didn't fire. The deer runs off. Oh, and he's redoing everything, you know, let it down, recocked it, put the bolt back in. Ten minutes later, a little smaller deer, but still a whopping big buck comes out, pulls the trigger. It doesn't fire. Now, most of us, I hope, I think, would try to analyze that situation. My friend takes the bolt off, pulls the trigger, and the thing fires. <laughs> oh, no. He blew up a $2,500 crossbow. He said, what am I going to tell my boss? I, I said, I, I don't know, but I don't know where there's a job available. <laughs> <laughs> but so many things. And Dr. Harrison, I mean, we could go on and on and laugh forever and tell, tell stories, but you brought up a topic during the break about the people, the volunteers, and everybody that's made this happen. And it's been a wonderful mesh of lots of different disciplines. 
You know, it is just absolutely amazing. I mean, we have we have individuals who are retirees here. Uh, one of our hunters is, is in a wheelchair. We have others that um, are just here to, to be volunteers. Everything from making sure we've got cold water on a kind of a hot day. I mean, this is September 15th, opening day of whitetail season here in Missouri. And we are out here, and it is in the 80s. And yet, you know, our volunteers from the community, from the churches, and other places are just making this such a memorable, memorable event. This morning in our training, we had uh, our uh, local um, agent from the Missouri uh, Missouri uh, Department of Conservation, uh, the game warden, he, he was here and just, you know, doing everything from checking licenses to make sure we're all going to be legal and make sure we know how to tag those licenses because, you know, some of the things have changed since some of these folks have hunted before. And, uh, you know, I just want to emphasize the fact that uh, we do so much more when we work together and cooperate. And this has been an amazing uh, example of cooperation. I mean, from the fact that we're using uh, crossbows that uh, Missions has provided, we've got a wonderful Can-Am ATV that uh, Cowtown has made available to us to, uh, to kind of move people around. We have uh, individuals who are staff members here at Baptist Homes that uh, have been tracking the deer movement for us so that we could kind of have an idea of where to put up these stands and where the deer are going to be at various times. And, uh, you know, like any good deer story, we could also tell the stories of some of the pretty good food we've been eating. Oh, More than wow. good. I mean, we yeah. have been fed, and we had uh, volunteer groups that put together snack packs for us. So when we go out into the blinds, there's something to drink, something to snack on. And, uh, you know, the safety training. I just I, I look at everything from what the NDA has done, the National Deer Association, prepping us and having Zoom meetings with the mentors and just getting everybody on the same page. This has been an amazing story. Now, what I'm excited about is, uh, this is just one of our nine campuses, and so we are hoping to replicate this. We've got some that are in the cities, but you know what? We've got buses. We've got vehicles that we can take <laughs> folks out into the field, and, and I am hoping that this will be a challenge not just to our, our Baptist Homes campuses, but to others. You know, I, I'm thinking that there's probably listeners out here that maybe dad or granddad or grandma, you need to invite them to be out in the field again. Now, it's going to take some extra planning. You might have to go out of your comfort zone. and might not be using that saddle or that uh, tree stand, but, but I am hoping that we will encourage, this podcast is going to encourage our listeners to, to think about, is there someone who, who's getting up there in age, a neighbor, a friend, someone from church, a, a former coworker, who just the invitation may be what it takes to get them excited about life again. So this has been just a wonderful event, the, the, the uh, partnerships and the new friends I'm meeting. Uh, I'll tell you what, this is a highlight day for me. So I am never going to forget opening day of 2022, even though I'm not going to pull the trigger today. Exactly. And I think we all feel the same way. Right. And you mentioned, uh, I see a problem coming up in your future, though. I really do. Uh, you're going to have so many volunteers, you're not going to know what to do with them. We had people today here laughing and giggling. What are you doing? Uh, well, I don't know, but I'll do anything. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that was the general consensus, the general attitude. But uh, and, and I like doing this. You know, you size people up. I look at you the first time and I'm like, what's this guy really all about, you know? <laughs> down deep. What's his real concerns? What does he care about in life? Did the same thing with you. We all do it to each other, you know. It's just kind of part of sizing each other up. But pretty soon in a crowd like this, you begin to see the talents kind of ooze out of the crevices, so to speak, you know. That's amazing. Uh, I shared with Shane earlier, you know, I sat and listened to him talk. And I, I've heard this stuff a hundred times. I've made mental notes of at least a half dozen different things that I either hadn't heard before or a new take on things. Uh, very interesting discussion about the food plots, you know. I've never got it. I don't only have 10 acres, so I haven't got into, the, you know, huge fields of food plots. But it's just a joy of my life to be able to 
uh, piddle with those little food plots. I even plowed my garden up this year and made a food plot out of it. You know, I can see it from the kitchen, kitchen window. Right across that's a pond, about an acre of food plot. And I've planted everything they ever invented, I guess, but I'm still an old farmer at heart, so I haven't bought a lot of the fancy deer mixes. I like to go to the stores and look through the oats and the rice and the wheats and the clovers and mix them all together, you know, and see what I, what I get. But just a tremendous time because of deer white-tailed deer, mm-hmm. just another great gift of God that he's put on this place. And I'm so proud of Missouri and Missourians. We've done such a wonderful job over the last few decades. I never saw a deer till I was 16 years old. I was making a trip, school trip to Jefferson City, Missouri, you know, and saw a deer and a turkey both on that. I thought, this is amazing country. But here we're sitting at the Baptist home. We can look out the windows and just see God's creation all around us. But here we're privileged enough to get to participate in an event like this and bring some people back to hunting that haven't participated in decades. Uh, we heard, heard your dad's story. <laughs> 70 years later after his first hunt, he killed his first deer. Was that correct? That is correct. Harvested his first deer 70 years after his first hunt. Wow. Well, I'm, we're going to have all kinds of grand things to say about this event when it's over. I thank you guys so much for joining me for the podcast. This message will be heard all over the world, which is just still flabbergast me, you know, that such things could happen. Because, you know, I had a grandfather that never believed that they put a man on the moon. (laughs) (laughs) Now, that's how far we come, you know. And I can remember things go so quickly, you know, and we got to pay attention or we let things slide by us. Uh, I was in graduate school uh, doing my research work and working on just a keypad, you know. The computer was, I don't know, 20 blocks away. And one computer in a room about 30 by 50. Now, when I finished, by the time I finished that thesis work and was ready to go into the military, the first thing they offered me, Shane, was 18 months of computer school. I said, you guys are out of your minds. I said, that's the biggest joke ever. They're never going to mount to a hill of bees. <laughs> Might have been a bad call, you know. Might have. But today, this week, we've made, I think, some wonderful calls. And I'm just overwhelmed at having had the opportunity to be a small part of this program i got to ride around that fancy atv you know got to be a taxi service and but somebody's going to use it. doctor you're going to use it this afternoon take it out in the field all your hunters out there and and i'll tell you you know that thing's got a dump bed on it you can raise it up so you should kill the biggest deer out there and uh, it's got a uh hoist on it which you can winch it right up into the bed and i got permission it's okay to have deer blood in the bed <laughs> of that well we hope that we can uh, make sure that that comes true uh, this has been so, so encouraging. And thank you so much, Bill, for, for being a part of this and for making uh, your time available to, uh, to interview us on oh, this podcast. Oh, it was a great sacrifice, I could tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but closing thoughts here, Shane. You know, you say this is a way of life, and honestly, sometimes I, I kind of think about it doesn't really dawn on me where my work life and my personal life, they overlap so much, I don't know where that line's at. And this, this job has been a great opportunity working with the National Deer Association. You know, went, went to school, college for wildlife biology. I never dreamed that I'd be working for the National Deer Association, getting to do events like this with great people. I think somebody said it this morning, you know, anymore it's not about the meat, it's about the people. And uh, th- this whole hunt has, has been mostly about the people. We haven't even actually been out to the blinds yet. Yeah, it's we already, started been, that. already <laughs> been a success, and we're really looking forward to it. But, you know, that that's the thing that's been going on with me is I'm, I'm truly blessed to be able to get to do what I do and uh, call it work, and I get to do this for a living. And uh, it's just a big full circle of coming from humble beginnings and, and now getting to do something I love and, and share it with other people. And I might add, doing a great job of it. But you, you hit on a train of thought there that I love. I, for all of my life, I've had a difficult, I'm not sure it's bad at all, uh, there's there's a line there between 
my spiritual life and my outdoor life, and I have a hard time separating them. Mm-hmm. Really do. Amen. Yep, it's true. Spencer. Yes, sir. Well, I tell you what, the volunteers have been a real blessing to me. When uh, Dr. Harrison said, can you get some volunteers, I, I began to think about where I could do that. But then our church is one that is made up of a whole bunch of people like that. And I mentioned it to our pastor, Tommy Miller. And, of course, he was, he was willing to do it. He's got two little boys. He's, he calls himself a stay-at-home dad, and his wife teaches school, and he pastors our church. And so it took, uh, it took a lot of work for him to get placement for the kids for him to be gone a couple of days and be down here. But uh, his wife and my wife were visiting a week or so ago, and she says, I don't think Tommy's sleeping good right now because he's so excited about that deer hunt. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, our volunteers are just so excited. When I called Dan Pitchers, the pastor over here to Annapolis, he had readily said he would do it. And he showed up here today with, with one of the deacons who's actually on our board. And uh, the guys didn't even know what they were. We'll just do anything. And, yeah. and they're just so excited because of what it is that, that we're doing. we got our county sheriff that had to rearrange his schedule to get people to cover for him, and he's down here uh, to help us. And these are all guys that, that just have a love for this. A lot of it has to do with, you know, their upbringing, and, and Tommy thinks about his grandfather that he wishes could be here, and, and all of us think those thoughts about what we're helping uh, people be able to do, and it's just a real a real blessing for us. It, it really is, and boy, you know, you, I really hate to shut a podcast like this down, because uh, I don't we probably bore people at some point, you know, but I think it's been very exciting, a, a first that we know of, and we all got great aspirations about what this program can do and what it will be uh, in the future. But I always like to close a program out with telling people that, and I get fantastic guests, you know, but them, all, all four of us sitting here are living our outdoor dreams. We really are. I mean, it is fabulous. It's fantastic. So we'd like to encourage you as a listener, get outdoors and try to explore and enjoy your outdoor dreams. I'm Bill Cooper. I truly hope that listening to that podcast was a blessing for you. It is something, again, that was very unique. No one involved has any knowledge that there is anything like this before. The Bible says there is nothing new under the sun, so perhaps it has happened. But whether or not it has happened, what truly happened on that day was the joy that was experienced at Arcadia Valley in preparation, the, what had taken place up to that point, but the preparation of what was to come. And again, since that podcast uh, was recorded, we have since had one at or near our Ozark campus, uh, which I can't report on because I am actually recording this just before that actual uh, hunt takes place as well. So perhaps a deer did walk by. They didn't actually get a deer uh, in at the Ironton location, but perhaps one will have taken place at Ozark. So again, it's it's an innovative way to allow seniors to know that life is not over. Uh, as the one resident said, I came to Baptist home to die, but now I know that I can live. May that be true of all of us. As we experience life, as we experience the challenges of life, let us all know that God has a place for us, that we still have dignity because we are made in his image, that we can truly live because that's what he wants us to do. So until next month, this is Andy Brams signing off. Thank you for joining us for this interview today. The Baptist Home has provided Christ-like care to the aging since 1913. To learn more about the biblically informed resources and solutions provided by The Baptist Home, go to www.thebaptisthome.org. Again, www.thebaptisthome.org.
www.thebaptisthome.org. You will find links to previous podcasts, a growing number of church resources, and detailed information about residential and long-term care communities. Until next time, this is your host, Dr. Andy Brams, asking you to be a voice for the aging.